All right, everybody, Vinny Fisher here, back with another episode of Total CEO. Hey, before we dive into the show today, I want to encourage you on something, and the thing that I want to encourage you the most about is, is people over process. I, I don't know if it's this week or what's going on, but I seem to have a lot of people in my life who are all about making sure that automation is done and everything's working, and they're trying to remove people out of everything they do. Well, it's one of the reasons we created one of our brands but more, not so much about Total Team today, and you can learn more about that at TotalTeam.com, but I just want to encourage you. It is about people over process. Now, if you get that equation right, I believe in people plus process equals profit, and I can't think of a better guest to have on the show today. I have a guy from Detroit, Michigan. Now, even though I'm an Ohio guy, we let Michigan people on our show every once in a while, so let's not for, let's not shoot him, even though I immediately think that, you know, it can only be that good since he's from Michigan, but no, just kidding aside, even though the Buckeyes are better, we're going to let Todd off the hook a little bit, and we're not going to tease him too much. I probably will, but we're going to be, let me introduce our guest. Todd Palmer is the CEO uh, and has a company called Extraordinary Advisors. Todd is a renowned thought leader. He helps, and he's an executive coach. So what he's into and what he's doing is he helps both individuals and companies who need support in corporate growth, helping to deal with fostering either a startup or, or early or mid-stage businesses, dealing with the workforce, their talent, and their organizational management. He's been really cool, a six-time recipient of uh, the uh, Inc. 5000 list, which I think is really cool, and he'll probably talk some about that. So he knows the struggles that go along with uh, growing a business up into that eight-figure category. So, Todd, welcome to the show. Oh, gosh, thanks so much for having me. And I love your theme of, you know, people over process. Everything, everything begins and ends with people. Ah, I'll tell you, somehow this week, it seems like every week has a theme in my life. But this week, it seems like I have all my friends and clients and fellow colleagues wanting to put automation ahead of people and so I'm just kind of persnickety about that today maybe it's well timed and maybe the good Lord knew that you are gonna be on the show today and I was gonna get inundated with that let me ask you a question why are so many fellow owners like you know this is a bunch of CEOs listening why are we so enamored with putting process before people well I think it's much easier to manage a process in theory to manage a person um, I think it's you know especially in the manufacturing space our, our main business diversified industrial staffing uh, the 5000 company has very much been stuck in a skilled labor challenge. There's not enough people for all the jobs out there. And when you take a look at what our you know, manufacturers and other companies having to do is they're having to get apps. They're having to get robots. They're having to get other things to replace the people. And you take a look at the four pillars of a business. You got cash, strategy, execution, and people. Well, people make all the decisions about the cash strategy and execution. So it, it's, it's a challenging spot where the country's at full employment. It's hard to find really good people. You know, I th well, and so most of what I would assume industrial staffing does is on more of the blue collar side of the uh, staffing model, more than the white collar side of the staffing model. You know, we're kind of in a unique space for that company. That diversified industrial staffing really has made its mark in the gray collar category. Okay. So it's not your your necessarily your guy who's right on the shop floor as an entry level person. It's your second and third tier person. It's your you know CNC programmer making thirty two dollars an hour. It's your plant manager making six figures. It's your manufacturing CEO 
who's you know bringing in 250 to 300 grand a year that's the space we've been really good in but during that yeah. industrial space and hey you know yeah. I'll tell you, we i mean you've been fighting like this i, I mean i'm sure you're, you know some of the the interesting political environment going on now is certainly causing a stir of you know build in america versus other places and tariffs and you know we're here at total team you know we live in the white world white collar world of e-commerce digital agencies and so we're probably not feeling that pinch as much as you but there seems to be this swell coming back in your direction where you know the it's becoming attractive to be an industrialist and a manufacturer back in the american soil well i think that the commonality between the two you know, you know the white collar space as well as the the blue collar space goes back to your again your theme it's people you take a look at you know when i work with clients in the white collar space i often explain to them you're no different than the clients in the blue collar space when it comes to the lack of human capital. Yeah. My son, for example, is an accountant. He's a skilled tradesperson. He applies the skill of accounting to his clients. While machinists, they're skilled to trade people. They've learned the skill and they apply it. You hire an app developer. He's, he's applying a skill. It's, it's not as uncommon as what people would think. And the overall theme of all those categories is there are more jobs than there are people today, and a lot of that's not going to go away. I know in the, going back to the political climate, we're talking about bringing jobs back. I can flat out tell you there are plenty of jobs. There's not enough people for those jobs. Gotcha. And so, you know, you wrote a book, and yep. you know, people can go find that. And by the way, just before we even get into that, we're with Todd Palmer. He's the, the chief cook over at... I think you actually even have a fun term you called yourself on your website, but you're the chief cook over at Extraordinary Advisors. You, we can, I'm, the, I'm the chief rule breaker. Chief rule breaker. That's what he said over there. I, I was on your site and I saw that. I like that. So we call me the cult leader around here. So we all have these fun terms. Get them to drink sure. the lead, they'll stick around longer. But so Todd, you're over at Extraordinary Advisors. You can find that at extraordinaryadvisors.com. But you wrote a book. Right, so you have a big opinion about this job search process, and that's the name of your book, The Job Search Process. So you can find that on Amazon. We can also find that off your website. One of the things that we've learned over here over at our sister company, Total Team, is that a lot of, you know, you're on the, that book looks like it's helped someone find a job, but we find that a lot of employers don't have a purposeful process to follow to help someone into the environment of that being their job back to this process thing right and so as the yeah. person looking for the job it's a lot harder to find that job when the employer is all over the place oh for sure it's it's very much cha it's challenging on both sides of the equation you have the employee the recent college graduate the recent high school graduate or the displaced worker who doesn't know how to do it how to find a job it's not something that they're typically taught it's not something that they're typically um it's it, you know, I, I'm on a board of a university. The university I'm with doesn't do a very good job of teaching students how to find a job. And I argue that you're in the job readiness business. You're not in the education business. And you got the employer, you know, the employer going to hire for just straight flat out skills. Or I think like you guys talk about, are they going to hire for culture? Are they going to hire for fit? Are they going to hire for somebody who's going to be a good person? And one of the things that when I, when I, I was just on stage the other day, and, and the, the phrase I use is, you know, you want to hire for DNA, not for resume. Uh, you, can, you can hire, you know, put all the great accountants on, on, on a, you know, a, a continuum. You want to hire the greatest accountant for your firm or the greatest app developer for your firm or the, even the greatest machinist for your firm. Well, let me stop you right there in the middle of that. I can't tell you. 
we have hundreds of clients. You know, we have an entire firm, right, fully accountable that employs accountants. And like, I literally was just talking to a fellow friend today who's a client about this idea of, hey, it's culture over certification. It's culture over competence. It's DNA over resume. I just literally having this discussion today. And everyone says, oh yeah, that sounds good. That sounds good. That sounds good. Hey, I need someone who can technically do this. They say this and they immediately start hiring for the technical competence. How hard? Like what's that? It's it's absolutely painful. It's like, okay, I want somebody who's, you know, who's eager, who's, who's, who's young in their career, but with five years of experience. Um, it doesn't typically work that way. Um, you know, I, again, using my son as the example, he got a great accounting opportunity. He got a sizable double-digit percent raise because he had the right DNA. He certainly has a great degree, and he's earned it, and he's done well in school, but he was the first one in and the last one out. He was the one offering to help senior partners with problems that they were too busy to handle. He was the one who was the – I'll come in on the weekends. He was that kid. And now he's been able to go out and earn himself a lot more money in with less than one year of experience because he had the right DNA. And it's certainly, you know, it doesn't hurt that your dad wrote a book on how to find a job. Um, you know, the, the, the knowledge is out there. Hey, dad, this thing works. I got a job. Yeah, it's yeah. great. Yeah, no, no, no parental validation. Hey, dad, the book you wrote, I kind of read. And God, you know, it, you're not as dumb as I thought you were. Thanks, son. It feels great. <laughs> It, and that's pretty much how it goes. But it's, you know, it's no different than... Yeah, well, hold on. Now, don't get ahead of yourself, Todd. I mean, give it a couple of days. You'll fall right back into the dumbest guy in the house. So I'm waiting till the grandkids come. Then I'll be a little smarter. <laughs> that, 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 then, then there's that payback period. You know how that goes. Um, it, it's the, de- the challenge for people is to really understand that it's, it's, an, it's a candidate-driven market right now. Yeah. It, that's not going to change. So we've got employers who are slow to hire. You've got employers who don't know what they want. They have no idea what value they bring to the table. Well, they think, well, you know, I'm just going to pay more money. Take a look at it. Statistically, money is number four on the list for someone to either accept or quit a job. It's not it a financial you look at that study, it may have just officially dropped to number five. It was teetering. It's, it's way yeah. down the list. It's, it blows people's minds. They throw money at stuff. It does not solve the problem. No, people, people want to do rewarding work. People want to do work that matters. They want to work with people they like. You know, millennials don't want to put in the 60-hour work week, and they're willing to sacrifice the finances of that decision for a greater holistic life experience. That's just yeah, how it is. And so, I, we have, we have a thankful, I mean, with the majority of the workforce are millennials now, right? And so we have it all over the board. And yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not convinced... I think the label of the younger generation is the label of the younger generation. Like when you and I were the younger generation, we probably had some of those same similar thoughts. We just did it a little differently in the way it played out. But you know, the young workforce, they just don't want to be trapped into something that doesn't look like valuable to them. It's amazing how I'll have these young kids, they'll trade title Mm -hmm. for for an opportunity to work one day from home. They'll trade money for to make sure that like there's food around the office. It blows my mind. Some of the things are their motivation. Their motivation is so different. They they will sacrifice the title for. Hey, I I want my weekends off. They will. They're very much you know going to the almost like a conscious capitalism thought process. What greater difference can we make in the world versus how much more money can we make? Certainly. Everybody's going to make money and everybody's got bills to pay. There's no, no, no one's going to debate that. It's how can I make a, how can I leave a, a bigger footprint or greater legacy in my community or in my workspace versus can I get a Porsche? 
Yeah, totally understand. Okay, so let's get back a little on track. So over at Extraordinary Advisors, what you do, the perfect person is someone who, like I said earlier, they have their business and they're needing help in this idea of organizational development and workplace planning. Like, so where does somebody start? How does somebody even know that like, like that even makes sense to them? They're struggling with the growth and strategy of their business. Like, what are some of the key indicators that someone should look to bring an expert in like you uh, to help with some of those issues in their company? Well, that's a great question. It comes from a lot of different areas. First and foremost, it's going to come from, hey, my business could be bigger. My business is struggling. My, my business has reached a glass ceiling and I can't exceed it. That's one group. Um, there's a little bit of self-awareness there. Then there's the group that, that I was once part of where we lacked self-awareness. I started my business you know, in my, early, my mid-20s for you know, $15,000 and grew it rapidly. So I thought I had everything figured out. Um, by 2006... What? Oh gosh, by 2006, the, the world was kicking in the butt at the beginning of the recession. And you know, I was $600,000 in debt. I was 60 days away from running out of cash. And I had to fire my entire company in one day due to a dysfunctional culture and start over. Wow. Um, and that was, you know, that, but that decision, those tough decisions allowed it, propelled us to make 5000 dollars All right, I, I, insider uh, secret. Any of them get hired back? No. Wow. No one hired back. And so what I did is I shifted from hiring for resume. I hired a bunch of people with recruiting experience. I hired people down for their DNA. So what it did is, it, you know, so you got the group of people that, you know, I think something's not working. And then you had me like, this, this whole thing, it, you know, I, I need to change me as the leader to change the culture. I need to change all me right, as so the leader. Look, I, I think, you know, there's these, these tips about what is in business. We're all CEOs sitting here listening. Let's, I'd like to get back to that miserable moment in 06 when you're about to make sure. the decision to, like what the heck is going on where the solution is I fire everybody. So the, I looked in the mirror and staring at, staring at me was a guy who was suffering from imposter syndrome. I thought I had to have all the answers and I didn't mm. because I didn't, I had to reach out and get help and I'm here to coach. And I still use a coach, you know, from we 2018, I still use a coach today. I use a different coach for different reasons, but I believed that I needed to get help. You know, Tiger Woods has a swing coach. Um, you know, Francisco Lindor for your Cleveland fans has a hitting coach. Uh, LeBron has a shooting coach. Everybody's got a coach. Well, why shouldn't a CEO have a coach? Because we can't be expected in today's fast moving world where we're getting thousands of data points today to make, to be able to have all the answers we had. I love that. I believe in the theory of a multitude of counselors. Like there's just not one size fits for everybody. Right. I can tell we're going to be fast friends already with that comment. Like there's yeah, light. And there are things you need, like, you know, so Fully Accountable is going through this, you know, it's our accounting uh, company is going through this idea of franchising. Well, okay. like a driver in my home, the last time I had a 16-year-old driving was just recently. I've never franchised something. So I need to go get an advice from experts who are doing that. Like, so if you're a CEO of a business and you're growing at a certain level, well, most of those guys have never grown at that level. They're in makeup mode. So you're coming sure. up. And one of the options that gives them this CEO coach. So we're with Todd Palmer. He is the chief rule maker and breaker over at uh, Extraordinary Advisors. And you can find him at ExtraordinaryAdvisors.com. Hey, if someone wanted to get started with you, Todd, and they wanted to look, is the best thing to do is sign up like a strategy call, kind of get to know you a little better? How, what's the best way to get going with you? Yeah, a strategy call is really the best way to go. I find that, you know, there's a lot, it's, it's a lot of asking of questions. It's a lot of figuring out, you know, what drives that CEO? Where does he or she want to take their business? What are they struggling with? What are their bottlenecks? Um, 
you know, and I often say to them, I said, well, they said, we want to be a bigger company. Well, what does bigger look like to you? Because only about 4.3% of all businesses in the United States do a million or more in revenue. So it's, it's pretty rarefied air to get up there, even in today's economy. Now, how you get there versus how we used to get there, certainly it requires sometimes less human capital. But now, it's, Maria, yeah. Let's go back to some of, because I think the, the, the people who resonate with your personality and will hear your words, or, they're going to come find you. But I think if we dig a little deep into some of that journey of where you were, you're more likely to have that phone ring. So how long after you, that magic day where you fired your sister and your best friend and all those other people in your business, because it probably was filled with a whole bunch of them too, right? You know, the, the good thing it was, I didn't have to fire any family. That's a good thing. And, um, but so, so, you know. When did you start to see the turn back where you wanted to get your mouth off the muffler pipe? You know, within about uh, 90 days. Nice. Um, so, you know, we could be obviously cut, cut a lot of expenses you're able to buoy it back up. We re, and what we did in that 90 day window working with the coach and I, I outsourced a couple of positions to some essentially freelancers yep. is we really laid down and laid out a strategy not of who we were, but who we wanted to be and who did I want to be? And we laid out the culture points. Um, I'll tell you, Simon's, I just want to resonate that point for everyone listening with why you got to hear what Todd said. Like, you know, in one of our businesses, we were doing really okay. We didn't know that we were having a major friction point between two executives in our business. And so once we started to actually pay attention to the tea leaves and look at what was going on, we removed one of the executives out of the environment and we're experiencing record growth. And you know what? And we're like hiring experts, right, Todd? Like here oh, we sure. are. Those guys, we're not impervious to this. You gotta oh, God, continually no. pay attention to your people. And if you heard what Todd said, your 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 real growth is being held back in your people, not in your process. Absolutely, it's, it's you know it's something you can do. This case, it was, there was addition by subtraction. You're able to, to take it to the next level. So for for me, it was to take a look at what we wanted to be. At one point, we were a high. You're trying to compete on a volume level with the Kelly services and the manpowers of the world. That wasn't working. There's was no margin there. So basically, we did a couple of things. We, we changed how we hired. We hired to culture fit, DNA, not resume. We focused on being, becoming a very specific niche category provider versus being all things to all people. Nice. Uh, go, essentially, go from being a, a Walmart to a, a Whole Foods from a, from a retailer's perspective. We can't be all things to all people. And then, you know, I look at it from the, from the owner's perspective is what did I need to change? Because at the end of the day, people are going to work for your company, but they're really going to work for you. That's right. I had to figure out what I knew well, what I didn't know well, and upgrade some of the things that I knew well, but more or less play to my strengths of what I could do best. Um, and those, those changes really, you know, we, we found a niche where there was an increased demand and a diminished supply. We, we captured that supply, that drove it across the line, and that's you know, really what we're Another thing you did, Todd, I just want to add to it because I guarantee it was in there. You know, one of the things I do here is I actually openly speak about the things I, I am not good at and we empower other members of the team. And by me honestly admitting that, there's like this ownership that someone else is going to take that with the fidelity for the company and run with it. I used to kind of try to disguise yeah. that I was yeah. awesome and everything and that was just the wrong approach. Well, the thing of it is everybody knew you weren't because they knew I wasn't. Yeah. You know, the emperor has no clothes except for the emperor who's walked around naked. It's, it's, it's so freeing to say, I don't have all the answers. There's such a collective value in, in groups that can provide better solutions than the leader. Ultimately, the leader, you know, the leader, leader has to decide, do I want to teach the staff? Do I want to be taught by the staff? Do I want to lead the staff? Do I want to collaborate with the staff? All, of these, all the decisions that need to be made, 
at the end of the day, there's a lot more brain power from 10 talented people than from one person who just ultimately might have to make that decision. And it eliminates that imposter syndrome of thinking you have to be all things, all people all the time. Love it. So let me ask you a question. Um, a fun one. What are you having the most fun with right now? You know, what I'm really having a great time with are really two categories. One, I've been doing a lot of keynote speeches and I love doing those and just the audience interaction. You know, I do, I'll do 20 minutes to 40 minutes and always pack in 10 minutes for questions. I just was in a university. I had this, it literally was like, it was like improv at a a comedy castle. This lady was just giving me a lot of grief and we're having a really good time with it. And she came away after she was, she was, I love you. I I feel like you could really make a difference. Would you be interested in being on my board? What a rewarding experience. And then there were students in the room who came up like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you talked about how you fired your entire company and the pain you went through and how you almost lost everything and how you came back. And I said, that's the reality of it. This isn't, everything's not Shark Tank. Entrepreneurship, as I'm sure you understand, is it's a competitive hand-to-hand combat sport. Some days you win, but some days you lose. But if you can get comfortable with failing forward into success, it's huge. So I'm loving doing that. And gosh, I, I just I helped my first client reach um, the million-dollar threshold in December of last year. And it was, it was a family-owned company, and these two sisters were just 23 years it took them to get there. And we worked with them for less than two years, and they got there in that time frame. And it was just it's like, it's like watching my, it's like watching your kids graduate from college. They were, they were excited, but I was so proud for all the hard work that they put in. All right. So what was that stat you gave earlier? Cause I just want everyone to hear it. How, what's the percentages of businesses that make it beyond a million dollars? It's about 4.3% that make it. So you've got, you know, what, 22 million companies registered in the United 20 States. And a half million right now. So it's, so it's getting, but you know, and I often ask my entrepreneurs, why do you want to grow your business? Do you want to, you want to manage, do you, do you enjoy managing people? Because if you don't, you got to take that into consideration and hire somebody that does. Not saying you can't do it, or, but again, play your strengths. Do you want to build yourself a company? Do you want to build yourself a, a career? There's nothing wrong with either one of them. By the way, I, I love that. Be true to yourself. Like, a- answer the question. Don't, like, say you're one thing and you keep trying. Hey, I'll tell you, we have this struggle in one of our executives in our company, I, and I'll openly live it because he – continually builds himself a job and mm-hmm. he wants to talk like he's building something bigger than him, but everything he's doing goes back and collapses in on it. And he's miserable because he's almost a uh, schizophrenic. It's like, yeah. I love your advice. Know what you want to be and just be okay with that. Don't say you're one thing and try to be another. Self-acceptance for an entrepreneur can be really challenging. And one of the things that I do when I come in and do the diagnostics with people is to help them figure out, who they are versus who they're not. And mm, it's good. If Love they it. want to get to being a, somewhere else, are they willing to pay the price to get there? I had a, uh, a company I worked with that wanted to grow to a, to a regional brand. The owner didn't want to put any more time and effort into the company. He, he was willing to put money in. He was willing to get resources, but he knew he had a capacity and he had reached it. He had kids in college, kids in high school. He wanted to spend his time with them and he was making great money. He didn't need to do it. And ultimately, he had to make the decision I've, I've paid my price. I'm happy with where I'm at. I don't need to compete with my friends at the country club. I'm good with where I'm at. I'm happy. You know, still, still, still married to the same person, loves his wife, has great kids. That, but he reframed his, his definition of success, and that's really why I started the practice. So, I don't know, three, four years ago, I reframed my, what my success meant to me, and I stole, I stole it you know, with compliments to Tony Robbins. Success went from being, you know, how much money can I make? How many tweets can I have? whatever to success for me is doing what I want when I want 
as often as I want to do it and whom I want to do it with. If you notice in the definition, there's no price tag attached. I can go for a, for a walk on the beach with my son, like I did last year when I took him on his college graduation trip and had great conversations. And I can also do a, have a you know, great party and hang out with all my friends. Too. There's lots of different ways to do it. But the, the rewarding conversations and the, the dialogues and the relationships are, are, are paramount to, to carry you through the tough times because as entrepreneurs, as I know you know, there's every, every day is not roses and unicorns. What? And I, I admit that, that could be the next your next podcast. You, be, you guys, everybody thinks everything is going to be roses and unicorns. Yes, yeah, there's some rocks thrown in there. I, I, I'll tell you, you know, you got really I, I, what happens, at least than what I see, Todd, on that is – there are a lot of people out there who are staring at us, the entrepreneur, and because we've been through the battle, sometimes you make it look a little easier than it really is. And there's a lot of uh, entrepreneurs or corporately trapped people yeah. who romantically stare at what we do and have absolutely no reality in the, in the loneliness and exhaustion. Now, I love it. I'm addicted to it. I'm probably unemployable at this point, but a lot of us I are. really try to encourage people to seriously look at what you're signing up for when you move over to this side of the equation. I don't know if you go through those exercises, but it, I, find I run into more business owners than I do entrepreneurs. And I couldn't agree with you more. If you're really more at that corporate mindset, you should, you're probably best served buying a franchise. You're probably best served, you know, plugging into a process, plugging into a system. If you have to create a recipe, it's going to be really hard. I uh, had the opportunity a few years ago to meet um, um, John Oates from Holland Oates. He was a speaker right. at an event, at an event right. and he was he came to this event because it was an entrepreneur event, and he sees himself as an entrepreneur. And he teaches music entrepreneurship on the West Coast, and I, and I said, said, so do people think that you know? Do people understand that when they pay for a $100 price tag for one of your concert tickets, they're not paying for the hours of your time, but for the 40,000 hours of practice and performances and skin knees and all the, all the learning in creative juices you've had to put into your album. He goes, he goes, he shook my hand. He goes, I'm so appreciative that you get it. It's don't just walk on stage, plug in and play Sarah smile for the three millionth time without having to have put in the time, effort, and effort. But that's why 95.5 exists. 95% of people will never be able to connect with what you just said. And it might be 99.1, but let's be kind and leave room for growth. 95% of people completely do not resonate with what you said. Now, good news, this audience is filled with all the people who do resonate with it. But really, the reality is that's why there are business owners who are entrepreneurs, because we fuel... Almost, I don't think the number is like what fifty-five percent of the daily payroll in America is fueled right. by by us, right? So you know that reality is it can be a pretty lonely place to be, especially if four point three percent of us are only the ones who are producing more than a million dollars in revenue, which is an extremely lonely place also to be. It, it and that's and that's such a, an important point I think you make. And, and going back to you asked me a couple of times about the um, the time I was at in 06 and there was a lot of depression then and mm -hmm. entrepreneurs if you categorically look at them suffer from depression quite a bit yeah. and, and that's why i'm so so glad to be on a program like yours today because an entrepreneur alone is an entrepreneur at risk we need a community we, we need a tribe whether it's an eo or an ipo or whether it's just you know a group of accountability partners or friends but employees don't understand that at the end of the day the the last person paid after uncle sam after the insurance carriers and after the employees, if they're lucky, are the entrepreneurs who took all the risk. And yeah, and you know, it's funny is uh, 
yeah, I can get into a whole diatribe about that. But one of the reasons I created Total CEO, not only the podcast, but you know, we run a business group as well as I literally created it because I wanted a group of entrepreneurs around me. Like I'm in yeah. other masterminds and I love it. I've been in those groups and but I'm like, you know what? I need to have a group around that I'll moderate and grow. And I couldn't agree more. Like that loneliness factor, depending on the day of the week, you know, you, I could get my wife on this show and she'd be like, oh yeah, my husband's a functioning depressed person sometimes. Like, yeah, it's really got to deal with it's, And so I don't think that sounds like an encouragement to be an entrepreneur, but if you are one, you know it. And what you need to do is not like, this is where I think the schemes of the devil are real isolation and being alone. Like go and be around a group. And if you don't have a group, go buy one. You got one right here on the phone with you, Todd Palmer. You can go buy that relationship. I, for so long thought I just had to network in it. You can buy that relationship. And quite honestly, it might even be cheaper than go find the network. So that's another resource that I'm so thankful that this podcast offers, this show offers, is someone like you is available that no one ever would have been able to find any other way. And it's so noisy out there. And so I'm just thankful you exist. So Todd Palmer. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You know, we can find you over at extraordinaryadvisors.com, but I'll tell you, we need more people like you and I who are literally out there wanting to be available as friends, networks, in your case, purchased as a, a, an opportunity to help jump into the business and, and be a, a resource. Uh, but that's the only way that 4.3% has any real chance of being bigger. I couldn't agree with you more. And the challenge, and anybody who's looking for a coach, I would say that you know, if you're looking for a coach, you're going to find all kinds of price points. What I always say to people, ask a, ask a couple of questions. Ask the person you're going to hire as a coach, how many companies have they run? And I, you'd be surprised. I know I've asked this to several coaches that I met. I would guess it's nine out of ten have never really run a company. They've worked at companies. They've worked for owners, but they've never had to, you know, they've had never had to go to the credit card to make payroll. They, it's never- 100% true, Todd. Like, so fully accountable is all outsourced accounting firm. And our number one objection is, oh, I already have an accountant. You know, nine right. out of 10 businesses don't close their books every month. Mm. Isn't that crazy? Like you just think, yeah. even the owner thinks, oh, I, I'm all set. My accountant's got it. Well, what you just said about business owners and coaches, it blows my mind. I'll have guests on here who are coaches. And I'll start asking them about their trial and business. And very quickly, I got to move to another subject because they don't have experience in running a business. Like number one on the list of do not hire that coach is someone who doesn't have wisdom and experience in at least operating a business up to some stage. Because what, I mean, in all due respect, I, I think coaches can be coaches without being a player but it's extremely a lot harder in entrepreneurialism than it might be in sports or some other thing. So I would very much caution all of our listeners, be careful when you're hiring an entrepreneur type coach. If you're hiring someone for mindset, maybe that's different, but if it's operational growth strategy things, how can someone give you an advice that they haven't at least experienced some either loss or gain in that marketplace? I don't know how you do it. Exactly. And the other question I'd, I'd ask, I wouldn't ask him necessarily what your biggest successes are. I mean, anybody can create a great LinkedIn profile. Mm-hmm. Ask him what you're asking me today. What's the biggest pain you felt? And how did you learn from it? And, you know, I always say, I, again, I'm not for everybody. I'm maybe a great coach for some, maybe not a great coach for someone else. But I know I've gotten so much value out of maintaining coaching relationships because they challenge me to grow. 
Love it. Todd, we're nearing the end here, right? So I want to put the wing, uh, we're going to put the wheels down here in a second, but I want to ask you one question, like in your business night right now, like, cause this is a community of givers and helpers. Like what, what's the, what's the biggest thing you're struggling with right now? You know, with, with my business, because I, I'm still, I still own diversified industrial staffing is to try and, and segment out my time appropriately to, to give my coaching clients the time they need to give my speaking opportunities the time they need and to be okay from a psychological standpoint, not giving the diversity team every moment of my time. And that's been the biggest challenge for a company that wants to scale like we do is to remove the top of the bottle, remove the bottleneck. And in this case, it's me because I have these other opportunities. I'm able to, I've got a great team of people that support me who run the company on a day to day basis. I mean, I think I was here maybe a third of the year in 2017. I have a group of people and to hold them accountable and to help maintain. Great. So the struggle is, 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 is maturing in the, in the splitting of your time. Is that what you're saying? It's, it's, it's accepting that it's a like kids got this. They don't, they don't need me here every day. And it's really a shift in mindset. So when I go to my coach, we have a lot of mindset conversations and he goes, these are going to be great things for you to take back to your clients so that they understand that it, take the, take the kids gloves up, let them run, let, let the stallions run it and put, put a fence around them, but let them go out and, and grow and develop like you've promised them they could. Love it. Great. Good. I appreciate you sharing that part of it. Todd, hey, thanks for being on the show today, man. This has been great. If you want to learn more about him, we have a link to his company here in the show. You can find that over at extraordinaryadvisors.com. He wrote a book. So if you want to know more about that on either side, check out the job search process. Todd, thanks for being on the show today, bud. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I had a great time.